Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Well, hello there, Aki. And hello there, Stevie. It's another beautiful week to talk about Star Trek. Are we James Mason again? Yes, I'm James Mason at the top of the episode for some reason. I don't know why. Well, hello to you, our listener. It is wonderful to be with you again. With us, your hosts, Stevie and Aki. We are your hosts. We are your hosts. Did that sound less surprised? Because sometimes when I introduce us, I sound a little surprised. That's all right. It'll be surprised. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's us. Oh, it's us hosting your show again. We're, what? We're the hosts. That's we're the hosts, but we're also the guests. What? That's not true. No. What? Uh, that might be a song from a different podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Today's star date is star date three one eight. 615.8. And we will be discussing Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 8, entitled Veritas. Very good. <laughs> it's Latin for truth. Veritas is very good. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, yes, this is an excellent episode. It is. Uh, it is. The whole episode is Easter eggy. The premise. The premise is an Easter egg. I had no idea what was going on until the very end. Uh, like Brad Boimler, I'm going to pretend that I knew what was going on the whole time. But I didn't. I had mm-hmm. no idea. I thought no. I thought we were getting the full judgment in front of tribunal lives for death. The Cerritos has committed crimes against the universe, et cetera, et cetera. But um, maybe it was that. I don't know. We haven't run it down yet, but we're, we're about to. Or should we run it down? Is that? Oh, yes. I wasn't sure if you were if you were continuing with your diatribe. I'm the master of segues, as all, all who listen to this program know. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Can you watch it stopping? Can you run it down for me? I'd be delighted to. And full disclosure, James Mason may be back at any moment. So we begin our episode. The ship, the Cerritos, is orbiting the planet Ketuvan Prime. Can I ask a question? Was that one of the first times that we've seen that? image of the planet with the planet name because i didn't notice that before i think so yeah yeah on on lower decks yeah i don't think they've done the so that's like an easter egg right there yeah i think that whole thing was meant to give you we got like a real feeling of ogtng og star trek with that (laughs) like this is a ship around a planet ogtng and the the ears like cardassia prime or whatever yes katuvan prime Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are thrown into a prison cell unceremoniously. They don't know why they're there. Tendi wonders if some of the ice replication she did got them in trouble. What? Boimler says he saws the senior staff taken into a different room. What? Mariner says the cell is better than like a Klingon prison cell, and she would know because she's been in throne of them. What? And just as she says that, they are lifted, like, uh, you know, uh, tele- teleported, port- teleported, like, you know, not 
just like in the air into a new room and the room is dark and then there are credits after the credits are played uh they find that they are in a room full of uh, the primes of this planet who are chanting and playing music and the senior staff are floating in the air in columns of light uh unable to move or or think or, or say anything they seem like in suspended animation uh, Mariner says oh, she thinks they're being put on trial. That's probably what's going on here. One of those like, uh, you know, you're captured for doing something and you're getting put on trial, even though you don't know what it is kind of deals. And they're informed by the the I'm going to say the prime prime, the main prime, the prime running this uh, event, whose name is uh, Clar. The prime Clar wants them to give testimony about the senior staff and they must follow the rules. When they give testimony, they must step forward and speak into the, quote, horn of candor, which will only allow them to tell. Or, well, they must tell the truth if they speak into the horn of candor, because that's what candor is. <laughs> so, first and foremost, Claire, Clar, Clar. You're having trouble there, Rocky. It's doing something to my saliva. Clar. 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 Sounds like a sound effect. Anyway, Clar wants Mariner to testify. They ask about a particular star date, which I wrote down later in my notes and not at this point, so I can't find it. They say that Mariner was on the bridge on that date and was in contact with the clicket ship called the Twerk. And they want to know about the events of that day. And so we get Mariner's story. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, uh, do you still have like the dream sequence sound? I wonder if that could work for this because there's so many stories. Oh, yes, yes, I do. I... Uh, Otherwise, I'd have to play it on the piano. Full disclosure, I have a piano. Perfect. So we get Mariner's story. So basically, Mariner's story goes like this. And in case you're wondering, listener, yes, this is basically a Rashomon episode where everyone tells the same story about a different thing, about the same thing, and you get to, you have to piece everything together. And maybe by the end... We'll find out what truly happened on the Cerritos that day. Anyway, Mariner's doing repairs with, you know, the, the regular gang. Tendi has to run out to go to the bathroom. She returns and comes back and says, hey, guys, there's a red alert. They're like, red alert? How did we miss this red alert? And Rutherford says, well, okay, I've been messing with the uh, speakers in this room to make the red alert less loud. So they all have to rush to their stations. They're going to be late because they missed it. There was a red alert. On the way to the bridge where Boimler and Mariner are going, Boimler's like, we need to explain to the captain that, we didn't hear the thing. And if we just tell the truth, then the captain will be cool with it and we won't be in trouble. Mariner's like, no, absolutely not. We don't want to get Rutherford in trouble. He's our homeboy. So just follow my lead, play it cool and be cool. So they rush onto the thing. They get to their battle stations or whatever. Captain Freeman transports to the bridge and is holding a map of the Romulan neutral zone. The Apparently the clickets have fired on the Cerritos without any warning. They contact the Cerritos angrily and they demand that Freeman return the map that was stolen. And Freeman's like, oh, and so the map is a big misunderstanding. And so they're like, oh, let's cut off the communication. And then Freedom goes around the horn and she's basically like, oh, who should we talk to? Uh, what can we do? Should we do, you know, Boyne was like, we could do evasive maneuvers and just run like hell. And of course, Shax is like, we should kill everybody and whole thing. And then when they are starting to figure it out, Freeman tells Mariner, okay, Mariner, why don't you send the clickets a message, which Mariner interprets to mean send a warning shot to the clicket chip, the twerk, which of course causes the clickets to fire back. At this point, Clar interrupts Mariner's story and is like, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. Uh, Mariner's like, I don't know, whatever, that's what's going on. So Clar is like, confused as to how, how Mariner could not know what was going on in the ship. Mariner's like, listen, 
Sometimes I just check out. I don't know what's happening on the ship at all. And and Clara's like, tell me about the map. What the map? And Mariner's like, I didn't even know there was a map. I, I have no idea. So Clara holds Mariner in contempt of the of the proceedings. And they have the beam lift her up and hold her over the tank of contempt. That's full of eels, of course. Meanwhile, Boimler says something. He's like, listen, no, no, no. That's Mariner's story is true. I was there. Uh, uh, that's, how it, that's how it went down. And so Clara's like, fine, you guys don't know anything with your petty minds. So Clara calls on Rutherford, assuming that because Rutherford has his bionetic, bionetic, cybernetic implants, that he will have perfect memory. And so Clara asks about the events of, and here's the star date, ladies and gentlemen, 57791.1. I'm your Southern lawyer. So we get Rutherford's story. Do you want to hit me with that dream sequence flashback? Rutherford is working on rotating the EPS conduits uh, capacitors when he's approached by Shax and Philip, and they ask, hey, do you have the Romulan flight manuals and repair info in your implant? And Rutherford's like, yeah, I can after an update. And Billups was like, order an update. And Rutherford's like, mm, I really prefer to update while I'm sleeping because then things can get wrong. And Billups was like, get that update. So he updates and they start to talk to him about a plan, plan, plan. plan. And, but, but as soon as they start talking, he completely blacks out. When he wakes up, He's in front of two unconscious Vulcans who are partially uh, undressed and Shax is congratulating him for knocking them out using a Vulcan neck pinch. And so Rutherford's like, oh, yeah, my net, my my implant must have taken over motor control uh, while I was out and they're on a ship. Bilps flies them over a museum and then the ship opens up and he's like, they get their own like they're going to do like a combat jump out of the ship. And Rutherford's trying to figure out what's going on. But then they jump out of the ship and Rutherford blacks out again. When he wakes up, he's in the museum underneath a Romulan bird of prey ship. And Shax is trying to get on board that thing. And he tells Rutherford to keep an eye out because they got to do some stuff. A Rom, uh, a Vulcan guard shows up and uh, Shax tells Rutherford to distract the guard using the the uh, fan dance, uh, which Rutherford has, I guess, in his implant. So he starts to do the fan dance and he blacks out again. And when he wakes up, He's standing in space on top of a cloaked bird of prey and he sees Billups and Shax and Billups is suffering from nitrogen intoxication because there's no oxygen left in his spacesuit or whatever. So Rutherford using his implants manages to get Shax and Billups on into the air dock and then he passes out again. When he wakes up this time, he's on a dun, 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 Gorn planet in the middle of a wedding ceremony. And he sees the Gorn and they look at him and they get upset and they start to attack him and he starts to black out again. But he's like super, he's like confident. He's like, oh, thank God for my implant. I should be fine. But when he wakes up from passing out, this made me laugh out loud and still does. He was still being, they were still coming at him. He only blacked out for like a second. Anyway, that was uh, Boimler's thing. And Boimler gets interrupted by Clar. Uh, who's like, why were you at a Gorn wedding and what and how did you get there? And Rutherford says that's all that he remembers. And then Clara asks for like more information about the bird of prey. And Boimler starts to wonder why would they be stealing a bird of prey in the first place? But Clara now has Rutherford over the the um, tank of contempt. And so Tendy defends Rutherford. Clara is like, okay, Tendy, why don't you tell me more? Because you look like you've got a secret to tell. And that's uh, when Tendy tells her story hit me with the flashback music please so many 
It's a Rashomon episode. There's going to be flashbacks. It's all flashbacks. We're putting the story together. Something's going on with the with the the Romulan neutral zone. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, so Tendi is talking to Mariner. She's super excited that her assignment is to clean up the conference room. And Mariner's like, I don't know why you're excited about that. But Tendi's like, whatever. I'm just going to clean. Uh, and so Tendi is cleaning the conference room and getting apparently there's a lot of fur on the chairs from dr tiana who's a cat ransom enters with three like officers and they're all in the same the the black uh, ops onesie the the seal clothes and uh ransom asks tendy if she is the cleaner and tendy says yeah, yeah yeah totally but obviously ransom is talking about something completely different the the cleaner being some kind of title for their mission but tendy thinks he's talking about conference room so ransom begins the brief and he's telling everyone what they're going to do on their mission but tendy's so excited about being there that she doesn't miss she doesn't like catch anything in the brief and then ransom pulls out a map of the dun 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 romulan neutral zone and tendy's like what and they ha- they have to find a package right so they go and get a package and if they have trouble tendy is the one who's going to extract them and then they all you know go yeah we're gonna do this and then Tendi is like freaked out, but they throw her a phase rifle. They get on the cloak bird of prey and Tendi is super nervous. And she's going to try to tell everyone that maybe they've made a mistake. She's not supposed to be quote the cleaner on this mission. But every time <laughs> that she's going to tell someone something, they all have to suddenly be silent because they're being scanned by a ship. The ships grow from one to two to three to four. Every time Tendi's about to talk, it's very funny. They get scanned over and over again. By the end, Tendi is so upset she decides not to mention anything. When they get to Romulus, the bird of prey to cloaks, Ransom and Tendi get into their stealth uniforms. They get on the transporter. Tendi tries to say again that she shouldn't be here, but it's too late. They go down into the Romulan facility. Tendi has to knock out two people right away with some martial arts, so like Orion martial arts. Uh, Tendi has to guard the entrance. The team runs in. They get the package. They run out. And then Ransom, as they run past Tendi, they're like, do your thing. And Tendi then knocks out a charging group of Romulans with some martial arts and the team is like uh that's not what we thought you were gonna do we thought you were gonna beam us out they return with the package ransom was like good work team in the the uh conference room they say you know the Romulan hot council is none the wiser and then everyone leaves and ransom comes over to tending goes like hey you did great on that mission even though we can never admit that we did it you're a great cleaner and the package is left uh in the room leaning against the wall so back in the uh, the judgy, the big judgy room with the tank of contempt, Clara's like, uh, okay, Tendi, I don't believe a word of what you're saying. There's no way you could have taken out multiple Romulan guards all by yourself. Tendi is also like, okay, sure, plausible deniability, wink, wink, wink. Uh, so Clara has Tendi gra- grabbed by the beam and drops them all on into the uh, tank of contempt uh, with the eels and then also fire starts up and mariner's like why would you have eels and fire that's it seems like there's too much going on there so all that's happening and clan is and a clan oh my god i can't clar basically is like you will tell us what was in the package or you will all be eaten by the eels but basically they don't know what happened and so boimler says listen we're starfleet and we're lower decks we very rarely know what the bridge crew is doing even though Clark doesn't believe that Clark's like everyone in Starfleet knows everything all the time. That's how Starfleet works. And Boyman was like, the staff doesn't tell us what's going on. And he mentions a bunch of stuff like when cues show up and nobody knows what is going to happen there. And he mentions things like Picard, not knowing the Borg before he met them and causing a big problem. And Dr. Crusher uh, getting it on with that 
a thing that lived in her grandma's old lamp that she got. That's it's a creepy episode. Yeah. So creepy, that one. Fun fact, though. Yes. The actor whose name I have completely forgotten now. Do you ever remember um, The Adventures of Zorro from the 90s? Of course. That was Zorro. That actor was Zorro. What? His name was, yeah, his name was like Rene someone or other. Hang on. Let me search it for you. Should we, should we do a little Google? I think we should Google that. You can Google that. Wait, I'm trying to remember what the character looked like in the, uh, that episode with, with Beverly. It was, it was the 80s? Good Lord. Oh, Zorro? Yeah, it wasn't the 90s. Oh, well, I got that wrong. <laughs> it was the 80s? Good Lord. Good Lord. What was wrong with me? Saints preserve us. Parting is such sweet Zorro. Sure, I'll take it. Duncan Regair. Is that right? That's my joke. I said, I said, parting is such sweet Zorro. That's pretty good. That's pretty. Okay. <laughs> they can't all be winners. Duncan Regair. It was. It was Duncan Regair. Duncan Regair. 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 I am Zorro. Prepare to be destroyed. <laughs> Random aside, sorry. Yep, nope. These were important things that we discussed. So, um, Clar finally realizes that the Ensigns think that the they're putting the senior staff on trial. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Not true. Apparently, this is a celebration because Clar was the package and had to be saved from Romulan territory. And all the various things that we heard from everyone's account went into saving Clar from uh, captivity by the Romulans. And it's supposed to be a big party. And they wanted to, like, use the account that the crew gave to, like, chisel a story on the history stone and everything like that. Oh, and the <laughs> it's a very stupid ending. Anyway, the beams are beams of celebration. And he wants to ask more questions, but he only rented out the room that he's holding this celebration in for, like... <laughs> 22 minutes which happens to be roughly the length of an episode it's the length of an episode exactly and so they have to go and freeman and the bridge crew are lowered and mariner continues to argue with clara about the whole thing and freeman just drags mariner away uh while she is still like arguing with clara about why they did all that and clara is complaining about how she ruined the party on the cerritos freeman basically tells says to the ensigns well you could have gotten us all killed that was terrible but i like how you all stuck up for starfleet you showed some real gumption in the future we will try to be more straightforward about what's going on in the ship with the lower decks crew so that you're not completely out of the loop and then all the ensigns start asking questions like what happened with this what happened with that, what happened with that? and freeman and uh the senior staff are like it's all classified now get out and they are dismissed and as they leave mariners like hey you know what i like being left in the dark because I don't want to know stuff. That just means like more work for me. Boimler, as I referenced earlier in our episode of this podcast, pretended that he knew it was a party all along. Mariner points out that he was actually crying. So there's no way that's true. And as they're talking, guess who should show up in the halls of the Cerritos? None other than Q. 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 Oh, wait, I have a second. And challenges them to a... Oh, you do? Jean-Luc. Sometimes I think the only reason I come here uh, is to listen to these wonderful speeches of yours. He challenges them to a duel, and they're like, uh, no, we're not going to play with you, Q. Why don't you go mess around with Picard? And Q follows him, saying, oh, Picard's no fun. All he does is quote Shakespeare and make wine. It sucks. And that is the end of episode eight <laughs> of season one of Star Trek Lower Decks, entitled Veritas. <laughs> 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 
Should we should we get some egg on our faces, Aki? Good night and hello everyone out there in Easter Eggland. As usual, I'm your host, Aggie Burmese, here at the news desk. We go immediately to Stevie Mads there at the egg desk. Stevie, what have you got for us today? Well, hi there, Aggie. Hi there. How you doing? How you doing? Always good to see you. Doing great. Pleasure. Good to see you. Good to see you. We had quite a few Easter eggs in this episode, as we always do when it comes to Star Trek Lower Decks. And one of my favorite ones, I'm just transitioning into a normal voice. One of my favorite ones was Rogo Danar versus Khan. Oh, yes. I forgot they were talking yes, about that in the they, beginning. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mariner and Boimler were having a biggest badasses off competition and who was the biggest badass and and boimler was like hey it's rogu dinar and mariner was like what are you talking about no one even knows who he is it's khan blah 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 khan 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 and i think that was sort of meant to be a bit of a a deep cut versus people that just sort of think they love star trek indeed and for anyone listening and if you don't know rogu dinar don't worry i i thought rogu dinar was another guy whose name began with r he was the rather good looking rogue chap another guy whose name started with an r he was a rather good looking rogue chap. yeah he was a rogue he was one of the rogue people and he had his own ship and he was sort of his own person a rather good looking in tng wasn't him yes and I don't rogue. think Riker liked him because Deanna had a bit of a crush on him, and as yeah. did every woman on the ship. Well, Riker. Oh, I remember that character, but not their name. Yeah. But anyway, it wasn't him. That's who I thought it was, but it wasn't him. Um, Roga Dinar was somebody who was being kept or held captive in a prison, and he escaped. And like, I think he had been bred as some sort of like almost a kind of born type character mm-hmm. to like be like sleeper, super sleeper agent yeah 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 yeah, exactly and then i think they were deemed too dangerous and they were kept in cap- captivity anyway and he managed to outsmart picard although briefly so anyway and that's who that's who boimler had his money on do you think when they made roga danar they were like we're gonna make a con for picard and then they were like this is no good never mind maybe i don't know that would be it would be a fun character to re-explore they already had q like he already had Q. Yeah. Q is probably. It's Picard's con. But, sure. but Q wasn't really sort of a match Q. for Picard. He was all knowing, but he wasn't, you know, soulful humanity type. He just, he was sort of the cynic. He was uh, all knowing. Well, that's kind of the vibe. I guess. All right. Well, anyway, that was, that was my first one. And then a DS9 reference that was uh, in there with a, a TNG reference. And it was Mariner was talking about getting kicked off the ship and living on earth. And she said, she said, there's nothing to do, but hang out all day at Vintner's and soul food restaurants, which was a bit of a, bit of a Ben Sisko reference there. Oh, yes. Daddy Sisko. Oh, and Rutherford, uh, there was a little reference and Rutherford said he doesn't know how to do the Vulcan neck pinch, which I thought was quite cute. That's right. Fun fact about this episode, two characters were voiced by Kenneth Mitchell from Star Trek Discovery, uh, who has ALS, um, actually voiced two of the characters in this. And I think he, uh, in, in Discovery, he is, you may know him or remember him as Cole. And in this episode, he was, I think it was the Star Trek captain, and he also voiced um, a Federation guard 
I like it. So, which I thought that was a, quite a cute little a little thing to know. And let's see, did I have a last one? Oh, and Billups. So I think when Billups is getting attacked, he says, uh, or he's you know running out of, he's got nitrogen poisoning. Does uh, Tasha know the garbage bags behind you? Which obviously a little reference to Tasha Yar and her untimely death. And also Shax's weird fantasies <laughs> of saving Tasha's life or something. Yes, that too. Did you did you have any uh, Easter eggs there, Aki? Was there anything you wanted to mention there? I did not have any. I mean, none of my Easter eggs uh, were uh, that interesting. Obviously, I thought uh, the the whole tribunal thing, which gets turned on its ear when they're like, no, I rented out this hall for a party. Uh, and obviously, Q showing up at the end was a great tag. Uh, and saying, you know, oh, I don't want to hang out with Picard. He sucks. All he wants to do is quote William Shakespeare and make wine. Uh, but were there any other? Uh, uh, no, I mean, my whole thing with this episode was I enjoyed the the Rashomon quality of the storytelling where everyone has to tell. You have to sort of piece it together in like a hour long dramatic Star Trek. That would be the whole episode. It would be like, and then Data is part of the story, and you'd figure out that this whole thing happened. But here was just a celebration of Clar's freedom from the Romulans. So thank you very much, Stevie, for your information from the Easter Egg Desk. We will report back in next week to find out about more Easter Eggs on episode nine. Thank you, Augie. Over to you. Thank you. Back to me. And back to you. And back to me saying, yes, it's time for Quotable Moments. Quotable Moments. Okay. I had a few. I wrote down the Roga Dinar thing, but it's not real. You mentioned everything. He totally mm-hmm. outsmarted Picard, his amazing hair, yada, yada, yada. Karn, Nunyan Singh Tar- uh, Khan. Did I say Karn? <laughs> oh, boy. I tried to say Khan and Gorn at the same time. Nunyan Singh Khan. Oh, that was the other Easter egg. Gorn, the Gorn planet. Gorns, more Gorns. There was Gorns in the last episode. Oh, yes, of Ugh. course, the Gorn. Yes, there was lots of Gorns. There was two things in the last two episodes, and one was the secret you know stupid black outfit for like the ninja yep. undercover mm-hmm. thing that they wore in the last episode yes. and they also had gorns in that's the last right episode so i was these like, two oh, episodes were doubling yeah, up on those gorns things. and secret missions uh i really enjoyed i think maybe my favorite quote of the whole thing was uh when they're on in mariner story when they're on the deck and boimler you know Mar- uh, mariner uh oh my god freeman is asking everybody like, hey, okay, what are we going to do? We need suggestions, people. And everyone's trying to come up with ideas. And uh, Captain Freeman says, come on, there's no wrong answers. And then Boomer says, uh, well, okay, we could do uh, uh, evasive maneuver uh, 88. And uh, we get one of our rare but always delightful bleeps in uh, Lower Decks when Tiana says, is he bleeping serious? I really enjoyed that. Because uh, he mm. obviously had no idea what he was doing i think um i like uh the cue at the end he says i challenge you all to a duel pick your weapons i pick the mind i just like that that was funny that's so very stupid and they're like get out of here q you're an idiot and finally i enjoyed clar's <laughs> uh parting words he says today didn't have to end in eels oh computer show me where i came from so th- et cetera, et cetera. I can't remember the quote that I love so much from Discovery Season 3. Anyway, those oh, are yeah. my... Yeah, oh, computer. I probably wrote it somewhere on my wall because it's my favorite thing ever. We could do Evasive Maneuver 88? 
<laughs> uh, do you have any? <laughs> Sorry, I do. Yes, I'm cracking myself up over here. What do you got? You are just having fun by yourself. One of my favorites at the very beginning was, I'm not supposed to be here. I have a pottery class at 0900. Yes. Yes. I just thought that was cute. And when um, Boimler was struggling to come up with a suggestion, Captain Freeman said, I'm not asking you to kiss my ass. Which I quite thought was quite amusing. Yeah. And M- Mariner to Tendi, how are you so excited? You'll just be cleaning cat fur off chairs. And then afterwards, she's like, how come I never get to Yeah, yeah, Mariner, that's right. She's like, how come I never get <laughs> yeah that was everything i had the mariner would have made a great the cleaner on that mission she probably would have killed everyone yeah. uh, i quite actually i did quite like in that episode that they bleeped everything out because i was like yes. bleeps, and they often bleeped the wrong thing yes or yeah. missed it it was quite amusing it was oh, there was actually a little deep cut there um when the two vulcans who were about to get jumped are walking along they're like hey you know who i don't like huh remans yes and if you remember the remans it's from i think it was nemesis uh yes nemesis was the final uh tng episode uh movie yeah and that was the planet i think yes that was the planet that um effectively gets destroyed and he's all like oh it's kirk's fault okay shall we move on to next time let's next time on set phasers hey and next time on set phasers we'll be uh nope nope not gonna use that voice next time on set phasers We'll be covering, we'll be moving into the final couple episodes of season one of Star Trek Blow at X. Uh, even though I recently uh, saw a post that they're already um, recording season three, the voice, the voice acting for season three. I was confused because I think she, there was a post and it was um, Tron, Tondi Newman. And yeah. she w- like had her two fingers up and then said season three. And I wasn't sure if they were recording season two but season three was approved it was all very confusing i thought she was just throwing up a peace sign as she was recording and saying recording season three yes but it was confusing because there was two and then i don't i assume two has been of recorded course it's it's- done. two's coming out in a couple weeks that's why we're covering it right now ladies yes! and gentlemen all right anyway let's go next time we'll be covering the penultimate episode of season one of star trek lower decks entitled crisis point and it will be a heavy one so please join us stay with us as we continue uh, uh, our continuing mission our continuing mission thank you for joining us and if you enjoyed the program you can go back and catch some back episodes uh, on our stream or our feed rather and you can catch it every Monday wherever podcasts come from we have seriously we've covered all three seasons of Discovery of Star Trek Discovery the first season of Star Trek Picard and in a couple of weeks, we will have covered all of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. And what will we do then? No one Ooh. knows. No one knows. No one knows. And of course, if you want to catch us and maybe find out what we are going to do, it might be on our social media. Uh, and you can follow us. We are at Set Phasers Podcast and at Set Phasers on the Facebook and the Instagram. And if you want to support our continuing mission, as Athel mentioned, to discover what else Star Trek has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can, surpri- you can surprise us, but please don't. Let us know you're coming. You can patronize <laughs> us, though. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash setphasers. Well, that's all from us here at Set Phasers. Uh, I'm Stevie Mams. We'll see you next time. And I'm Aki Burbis, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. And program. Computer and the program.
Computer and a bro.